Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of our 7 Investing Podcast, where it's our mission to empower you to invest in your future. You can learn more about our long-term investing approach and see all of our stock market recommendations at 7investing.com. My name is Simon Erickson. Today, we're going to be talking about cybersecurity, an important topic out there, one that gets in the headlines quite a bit, but also a lot of changes going on in the security industry. Uh, I'm very excited to welcome another Simon to the program. Simon Taylor is the founder and CEO of Haiku. This is a company that's building the vision and strategy for the multi-cloud and SaaS backup security industry. He joins me today from Boston. Simon, welcome to the 7 Investing Podcast. Thank you so much, Simon. It's great to be here. We're going to chat a little bit about Haiku. We'll do it in three lines, five syllables, seven syllables, and five syllables at the end, of course. But before we jump into that, maybe to frame the conversation today, uh, in addition to being a CEO and a, and a founder of a business, you also wrote a book that was called Averting the SaaS Data Apocalypse. That's kind of provocative to me. Uh, tell me what that means and what's going on out there in the cybersecurity world right now. Yeah, you know, Simon, it is. It's a provocative title intentionally, Averting the SaaS Data Apocalypse. It sounds like the end of the world, right? But I think if you look at what's really going on in cyber today, people talk a lot about the threats. They talk a lot about the bad actors. But what they don't talk about is the insane levels of complexity in the modern IT stack. So if you go back you know, 20, 30 years, you know, people had their data in four or five different places. Today, the average company has their data in no less than 212 different data silos. So if you picture sort of this Get, get, you know, multi-sided dice from four years ago, 20 years ago, uh, it would have four or five, six sides, easy to manage. Now picture a dice that has 200 sides to it. Every one of those different sides represents a different threat vector that our customers and our marketplace needs to protect and defend. And because of that, the ability for the cyber criminals to attack us has become easier than ever before. So you've got this massive increase in the cost to defend an environment and a massive decrease in the complexity of actually going after and attacking someone. And that's what leads to the SaaS data apocalypse. Our lives are run by digital data and all of these apps that are running our personal lives and our business. And if just one of them goes down, just one, it can lead to this sort of spider web effect where we lose all of our data and we're in a world of trouble. Simon, I do want to talk a little bit about the, the industry, bigger picture in a minute here. I want to ask a little bit about some changing SEC regulations. But just one more question as we kind of frame this is you've sure. been in the tech industry for a couple of decades. Uh, how did you get into founding this company, Haiku? And what is your mission to accomplish with it? My gosh. Well, look, our mission is simple. It's to build a safer world by eliminating data silos. We want to make it easy for anybody, any organization worldwide, to visualize where all of their data is, see it all under a single pane of glass, and automatically add easy data protection elements that will protect them on-prem, in the public cloud, and SaaS. And it's the SaaS piece, Simon, that's so critical. There are 30,000 SaaS services in the U.S. alone today. 30,000. Before Haiku, only five of them were protected by any member of, of uh, the backup and recovery community. And so we really set on this journey to make SaaS protection accessible to everybody. And I think that's really been our major focus. Okay, so, but going back to me and the, and the journey, this maybe gets a little bit complex, but you know, I started my first company when I was 24 years old. 
uh, I was sitting in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I had this wild idea that I was going to go to Eastern Europe, find all of the engineers out there, build a database, almost like a dating app, and then broker agreements so that any company in America could easily gain access to outsource engineering. Something only a 24-year-old comes up with, and this was in the early 2000s. So I sold everything I had, which wasn't much. I moved to Eastern Europe. I set up a little company. I built an algorithmic, uh, algorithmic matching engine that effectively acted as a platform to do that matching. And then I started traveling. You know, I went all over Eastern Europe. I think I built a database of about 20,000 software engineers. And then ultimately, I sold that company to a company called Comtrade Group. After that, I built a second company, sold it to Citrix. Uh, and I was actually in Las Vegas, believe it or not, and I was sitting around uh, celebrating the success of this big exit. And I ran into an engineer I had met in Europe years before. And we got to talking about the state of technology and the state of the world. And what we realized is data protection was the last bastion of undisrupted technology. Effectively, backup and recovery has been built the same way for 30 years. And we said in a world in which people have their data in hundreds of different data silos, we've got to build a new kind of platform in order to support that. We've got to make it easy for customers to see their data and protect it. And that's what we did, you know. So we launched um, April 2018, and we've now got 4,000 customers in 78 countries around the world. And tell me a little bit about what SaaS backup and recovery software means. What piece of larger picture does this fit into? Yeah, so, so, so think of it like this. You, you know, we talk about cybersecurity, Simon, in the realm of PDR, prevention, detection, and recovery. And, you know, I would say 90% of the world's folks think about the P and the D. So they think about how to build the walls higher, how to dig the moats deeper, because ultimately we want to believe we're in control. Don't we? So we want to believe that if, this, that if the bad actors attack us, we are immune. We've invested in all the right tools to keep them out. But the reality is there's so many more of them than there are of you. And so what we always say is it's not if, it's when. And so as a result of that, we focus on recovery, how you can evaluate where all your SaaS data is and then actually recover it easily with a click of a button. Absolutely. So, so Simon, our, our program is individual investors. Most of the people listening to Seven Investing Podcasts are really interested in how the cybersecurity industry is changing mm. you know, to stay on top of that right now. You mentioned kind of having the right tools in place, being proactive to prevent and, you know, then possibly detecting the recover down, down, downstream as well. But we do know that recently the SEC has got some new regulations out there right now. The cybersecurity risk management regulations uh, not only are asking companies to disclose breaches that do happen out there, but also to talk a little bit about the risk management and the protocols and the strategies that they have uh, that are out there to be disclosed within the annual reports. Uh, how is this impacting your business or the industry as a whole? This is something that just happened. It's huge. It's huge. Get, yeah. What's this mean? Mm -hmm. so, so let's go back in time a little bit. You know, I remember two years ago, I was on stage at the Boston College FBI annual cyber conference. And I'm standing up there and the keynote speaker was not me. It was FBI director Chris Ray. And he gets up and he tells this heart-wrenching story, Simon, about a, the Boston Children's Hospital and about how it was shut down by the Iranian government uh, as a result of a cyber breach that could ultimately have affected ch children's operating procedures in the medical room. And, you know, I think when you, when you think about the absolute incongruity around what cyber actually does when, it, when, it, when a cyber attack takes place, versus what we think about. 
right? Because when we think about ransomware attacks, we think about one word, money. That's what everybody thinks about. But the reality is the damage these cyber attacks can do can affect almost every aspect of our lives. And so I think, you know, what's starting to happen is shareholders that invested in all of these different companies, publicly traded companies, started saying, well, wait, wait a second. There's a lot of risk here. And I don't really have a way of evaluating that risk. I don't really know whether or not this company I'm investing in as a shareholder is uh, likely to be attacked. I also don't really know what they're doing to mitigate those attacks. And I certainly don't know what the likelihood is that they'll be able to recover their data if there is an issue. And so the SEC sort of took it upon themselves to move from a position of reactivity to proactivity. And what they've said is, first and foremost, you are now legally obliged to disclose a cyber incident that is material to your business. Um, I think this is, is really, really of high value. It's going to be frustrating for companies. It's, it's going to cause a lot of, a lot of uh, bruised uh, concerns and egos, I'm sure. But at the end of the day, we always say at Haiku that the cyber problem, ransomware attacks, are like the mental health crisis of the 80s. You know, if you think back then, you know, people didn't say when they were depressed, they didn't want to say out loud when there was a mental health issue. They hid it inside and they couldn't get the help they need. It's exactly the same thing with cyber or ransomware attacks. Because people do not disclose the challenges they're facing, they can't get the support they need to do better and defend themselves against these attackers. So I'm actually very, very impressed with the SEC's take on this and the fact that they're now pushing for those disclosures. The second piece, you know, that we're seeing in the new 2023 regs is um, a move towards risk mitigation. So I think what that ultimately means is that there's going to be a lot more emphasis from the board and on senior management to put the tooling in place to make sure they can prevent, detect, and recover data in the event of an incident. And again, I think that's, that's a wonderful thing, not just for the industry that I happen to be in, but for the world at large, because it protects all companies and all of the valuable work that they do across the world. Yeah, and Simon, okay, so you've been around for quite a while. You've seen technology shifting. You've seen, you know, data is being stored in the cloud now and everything that we talked about and all those SaaS vendors that are out there. We're also in a pretty unstable geopolitical world right now, too. Um, a lot of the attacks might not be coming from people on their grandma's computer in the basement uh, anymore. It might be more state-funded. What do we know about the, the attackers and the nature of the attacks and the intentions? Is it monetary gain? Is it hacking or on behalf of a nation state? What is the nature of the attacks that are happening out there in the largest amount? Here is probably the most terrifying element of what we're seeing today. It's easy to look at the news and see what's going on across the world and be very afraid of nation-state attackers. And for sure, they have the most resources and are going to be able to compromise almost anybody that they want. But the real scary, sort of frightening thing that we're experiencing across the world today is that it only costs $100 on the dark web to buy what's called ransomware as a service. So think of it like this. Yes, it's very scary that big countries can attack you, but they're probably not going to attack you, right? Unless you have a national security, you know, related issue or there's some strategic threat. Who is most likely to get, get attacked by are, you know, the, the, the random kid in college who decides to do the wrong thing. Um, and the fact that all of these ransomware services are so available, so accessible and so cheap to execute. So, so think of it like this. Think of it like a scale. 
if it costs a company $10 million in, in cost to defend against a cyber attack, and it's only $100 to execute one, who has the advantage? And I think that to me is the real threat. That's the real risk. And that's why we've got to get this issue of sprawling data silos under control. We've got to find a better way and we've got to stop pretending that our SaaS services are all protected. Because I'll tell you, Simon, one of the, the biggest misconceptions that we hear out there today is this idea that, well, it's SaaS. You know, somebody else is taking care of my data. They're not. The shared responsibility model that every SaaS service and every hyperscaler uses all states the same thing in your contracts. It says, we're providing the service that data is yours to protect. And that should give everybody pause. You don't know where your data is. You don't know how to protect it. And you have no way to recover your data when there's an incident. And that's really what Haiku's here to help. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Those are great points. Like you mentioned earlier, if the average company has 212 data silos and there's now 30,000 SaaS services, software as a service companies and providers out, that's a lot. That's a lot of complexity. Right. Um, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of, a lot of vulnerable um, ways to be hacked. Let, let's talk about kind of the solutions that are available out there. Obviously, this is a very, very complex industry as well because it's hard to, to do everything all at once. Yes. But we have seen that there's a lot of consolidation of vendors in this space. Uh, Cisco put out a report just recently that says that uh, the, out of the companies that do have cybersecurity protection, 13% of them have more than 20 vendors right now. That might sound pretty large, but actually 21% of them had more than 20 vendors just five years ago. There's some consolidation in this space. Of course, it's a biased, perhaps, report from Cisco, one of the large tech companies that does consolidate. But also you've got the Microsofts, you've got the Palo Altos, you've got others that are kind of offering a perhaps a broader, uh, wider net of, of coverage, as opposed to a company like yours, which is, you know, much more independent, not tied to a large organization, has found a niche that you guys are able to protect companies. Uh, can, you, can you talk me, can, can you tell me a little bit about kind of the questions that customers are asking or the sales process, or how do you differentiate from these giant companies like a Microsoft out there, knowing that certainly companies would, would not want to work with 20 or more vendors, I would think, 
But how are they thinking about, you know, who, who is essential and differentiated from a lot of other companies that might be offering similar services? You know, there's a lot in there. I'll start with your last question. I'll go back to some of the other points that you made. It's really interesting. You know, when we started on the, the haiku journey, as it were, you know, we used to think about the iPhone just because it's an easy paradigm to kind of, you know, conceptualize what SaaS is. So think about, you know, a, a company's tech stack today, like your phone, and on that phone is maybe 100, 200 different applications. Okay. So I want you to imagine that every one of those applications had a separate backup and recovery product that you had to buy attached to it, okay? That would be insane. It would be so complicated, it'd be so expensive, nobody would do it, frankly. So what did Apple do? They built that beautiful little green button, you, you've got the cloud data backup, you just you know slide right, and all of your data is protected. So in a company, unfortunately, there's no little green button. There's never been a way to protect all of your data across on-prem, public cloud, and SaaS. And the challenge that these SaaS vendors have is very simple. Let's say that I'm, well, you can use Microsoft as an example, but let's take like an Asana, for example, a project management company. They are focused on building their application. They don't want to spend 25% of their time, money, and resources building backup recovery software. So what do they do? It goes on the back burner. What we realized at Haiku is that unless we did something, the SaaS data protection problem was never going to go away. It was too big and too needy for any one backup vendor to build data protection integrations for 30,000 software pieces of software. And the, you know, the individual SaaS services themselves were never gonna build it. So we took a very unique approach. What we did, Simon, is we said, you know, what if we could open up our platform and let all those SaaS vendors write on top of us? So instead of um, essentially us having to build 30,000 different SaaS integrations, now the, the SaaS vendors could actually build on top of Haiku. We launched that in April of this year, and we've now got 10 times the SaaS coverage of anyone else in the marketplace. Now, we're a small company, relatively speaking, compared to Microsoft, but we're well-funded. You know, we're backed by Bain Capital, Cisco, Okta, Atlassian, Acrew. And I think what we've found is that with the explosion of SaaS and the explosion of cloud workloads, there really isn't anybody else out there that's suited to providing this kind of protection. Now you might say, why not Microsoft? You know, why don't they do it? Why not AWS? The reality is that their goal is to keep the data in their own cloud. So going out and building data protection solutions for everybody else just is never gonna be top of mind for any of these major companies. And so it's going to take an independent company like Haiku to really re-innovate and re-energize the whole data protection space. And then maybe uh, just a couple more questions here for you, Simon. Sure. Talk about innovation. Since you are such an innovator, such a great entrepreneur, sees the need, seeing the need for this developing. You know, it kind of, if we go back just a couple of years and look at the kind of the old castle and moat, you know, framework for protecting, once the bad guys were in, they could go anywhere that they wanted to within an organization, right? If they, they got through the firewall, they were in the network, everything's fair game now. And then kind of we had this zero trust uh, movement in the industry that kind of improved the level of protection, if we can call it that. And now it seems like everyone's been talking about zero trust for a couple of years, pushed by the enterprise, pushed by a better way of doing it. As an innovator, I mean, where do you see cybersecurity going in three or five years out? Is there, is there something else that's still unmet that, that is a, a real big problem out there that hasn't been solved? Or perhaps the industry is kind of pushing towards like zero trust was a couple of years ago. 
Where do you see things going in the security industry maybe a couple of years out from here? The two things I'd say on that. The first is, you, let, let's pretend that you have a house on a lake and, you know, every one of your neighbors, when you buy the house, comes to you and says, listen, Simon, don't worry about flood insurance. It's never happened. Never happened in 50 years. None of us have flood insurance. Don't worry. The very first thing I would do is go out and buy flood insurance because Murphy's Law, the day that I buy that darn house is absolutely the day it's going to flood. And so I think the number one thing we need to show people, and I think this SEC framework is doing that to some extent, and this framework as well, is help people to get educated around being able to recover their data. They need to be able to assess their entire environment, understand where all their data is, whether it's on-prem, in the cloud, or in any of these SaaS services. And they need to ask themselves a simple question. If the bad guys get in the door and my data is compromised, can I recover to another point in time? That's your insurance. And if that answer is no, you've got to make a change. You've got to go deep and you've got to fix it. Now, but you asked a great question. So, so I want to answer the second part as well, which is how, where is the industry going? Look, I would be um, foolish <laughs> if I didn't bring up artificial intelligence. You know, AI is going to change the world in so many different ways. It's going to create a lot more risk. You know, I think we're going to see social engineering and phishing attacks that are off the charts. And the social engineering that I'm really concerned about is, you know, when um, one of my employees gets a call, it sounds like my voice, uh, and it's actually AI, and it's telling them to give them all the passwords, right? It's things like this, very simple. Uh, it does not take a genius to understand that problem. And the simple answer is don't give out the password. But the problem is human error can so be influenced by the advent of these new AI advancements. And so again, the only thing we can do, the only surefire way to make sure that we are protecting not only our own company, but I would, I would say civilization as a whole, is to make sure you've got a plan in place and you're able to recover that data at a moment's notice. Yeah, it, this certainly does seem like a, a more preventative way. It's this very highly complex chess match, right? That all of a sudden the industry is going to wake up call and you've got the SEC kind of saying, hey, you've got to get your your, uh, your house in order here for this. Anything else? I'm open to the last question. You know, our audience, individual investors, you know, we are very interested in this space right now. This certainly seems to be a good time to be investing in cybersecurity. Anything else we should know um, that you've seen in this space? Yeah, I, I think the last thing I would say is that when we started on this journey, you know, we did an assessment and we said, you know, what, what is the percentage of ransomware attacks that occur through SaaS? And at the time, I think it was, it was, it was 20%. Today, that number is 52%. And a majority of them, Simon, are successful. That's what scares me. And the reason they're successful is because when someone gets control of your SaaS environment, the first thing you say is, well, how do I get my data back? And when the answer is, I can't, you pay the ransom. And people know that. And so they're going to target SaaS more and more and more. And I would really encourage, whether it's investors, board members, senior executives, we've all got to be vigilant and we've got to be proactive in taking a stance against this explosion of data silos and the corresponding threat uh, that goes along with it. Well, once again, Simon Taylor, the founder and CEO of Haiku. You can check out their website, www www.haiku.com. It's H-Y-C-U. 
Uh, for anyone who wants to learn more about the fantastic work that they're doing, Simon, thanks very much for being a part of the Seven Investing Podcast this afternoon. My pleasure, Simon. Great to be here. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this edition of our Seven Investing Podcast. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are Seven Investing.